appreciate your ministry once again. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We obviously know about the Amish people, the Amish church, the Amish. Um, they obviously stay away from modern conveniences. Um, but this article says they're not opposed to relocating to new territory. In fact, their leaders acknowledge that um, that, that movement is one of the ways to address, they address conflict. They believe church-related disputes are easily resolved when several families move on. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is like, here you are going to church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and you are having problems with people. So they just, all of a sudden next week, the announcements are, the Johnson family are moving to Toledo, Ohio. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Amen. Well, I am not too sure that that's what the biblical Bible means about pursuing peace with all men, but uh, I think we need to stay put and get, get things right where we're at. Amen. So if you have a relationship problem, no, you don't need to go to another church. You need to fix your relationship problem. Amen. Amen. <laughs> kind of different, isn't it? Maintaining good relationships is very important for any church, um, not only for the church itself, but for the church's witness as well. Any group of people that have differences or odds, and many times you will when you get a group of people together, you're always going to have a little bit of factions and things go on because they do. Amen. They do in your home, in your little small little world of your home, and they do in the church as well. But uh, they have to be dealt with. Amen. So the thing is this morning, how is your relationships because it's very important. I was thinking just about the marriage seminar, and I thought, you know, it's not just marriage relationships, but it's all relationships this morning. That being maybe one of the principal ones, but every relationship needs to be kept in good order or dealt with if it does get bad. I'm going to look at keeping our relationships. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. Paul is writing to this church. He says, I implore Judea, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the, who are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in all everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, keeping our relationships. Let's look first of all at the relationship breakdown because this is quite normal when you're talking about relationships. They say uh, for seven out of ten people who lose their jobs, the reason isn't lack of ability, it's personal conflicts. Jesus obviously warns about offense in the Bible. He simply specifically says offenses will come. Amen. And he's talking about one person hurting another person. Almost invariably through words, but sometimes through, you know, personal slights and, 
you know, all kinds of things of that nature. I try not to have people borrow money from other people in the church. Amen. Uh, that's not a good deal. Business deals and all this kind of stuff. If you're going to give somebody some money or lend somebody some money, be prepared to lose it. Right? I mean, that's just how it's got to be. If you're going to keep your heart right, because if they don't pay you back, then you're going to have this, you know, be in your bonnet for who knows how long. Amen. Every time you talk to them, you're going to, you know, send out little innuendo. Oh, so I saw you, I see you bought a new, and, and here we go, you know, and it's like, and the whole time you're really talking about the fact that they didn't pay back your money, you know. And so you're just better off not to even get involved in that stuff. And like I said, if you're going to help somebody out, then be prepared to lose it. You give it. Amen, right? Isn't that what it is? I gave you money. Well, that's the word gave, okay? <laughs> we'll just end it right there. But at the same time, no matter what happens, we are, of course, to forgive and say we're sorry and obviously get some things right. Things will be said. Even things that will be done that are not right in the realm of relationships, or at least you'll perceive it that way. Perception can be kind of tricky. You know what I'm saying? You can perceive looks. You can perceive words. And say, well, yeah, I, yeah, but I, I, I know that person. But you know, your perception is not 20-20. Your perception is not always correct. Helps us sometimes have to step back and see the wider angle, amen, of what's bothering you. Because sometimes when you're in it, you don't see anything else but the issue itself. And it's hard sometimes to step back, but you have to take back and take a look. Because from time to time, and this is the real world, it's true in the church, it's true in the home, it's true in marriages. You're not going to agree all the time. You're not going to always, you know, everything's going to be smooth and running very simple, amen. Sometimes you're just simply not going to get along. Our text points out what is important, and Paul simply makes that statement, be of the same mind in the Lord, amen. And very interesting, as he's talking about this conflict, he never addresses it, you notice? He doesn't, we don't even know what it is. We know that these ladies are at odds, got a clue. He just, he just simply states the fact and then he moves on in the same sentence, amen. Be of like mind in the Lord. This is the higher ground. In fact, this statement is mentioned 11 times in this entire book. It's mentioned 17 times in the rest of the New Testament. So it gives you kind of a, 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 a ratio of where Paul is going when he says to be of the same mind in the Lord. Chapter 1, verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Amen. That the fight of faith, the, the battle of faith, amen, takes precedence. Having your one mind in the Lord takes precedence, precedence, amen. This can't be done if you're striving one with another. If you're having issues, amen, uh, you could even be striving in the home, striving in your marriage. It bleeds in, amen. It's areas that you have to get right in your life. 
It's a relationship nonetheless. Let petty things get in the way of your progress, your walk with God. Too busy fighting each other and not fighting for the cause of Christ. Amen. Striving against the devil for the souls of men and women. Which that's our calling, no matter how you cut it, whatever church denomination you are, our calling is to go into all the world, get souls saved. Amen. Our reason for being. It's the only thing Jesus said to the church. Right? It's the only departing statement that he made. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Reach the world. It's the only calling of our, of our church, amen. But if we're so busy, you know, worrying about one another or having conflicts with one another, amen, that's going to be hard to do. He might not be able to stop the vision, amen, but he can stop us from doing the vision. I'm not going to go on that impact team. You see whose name's on the list? That person drives me crazy. Just thought I'd throw that one out just in case before we got, oh, the list is not up yet, so I'm safe, right? Your name is not on it, so relax. Being of one mind brings peace and unity, not disharmony, disruption, amen, which is not good witness for the gospel. Being of one mind really is the glue who we are and our relationships. Like Amos says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? In our text, these two ladies, again, are in a disagreement. Tensions have to be sharp, amen. I mean, it has to be affecting the church for Paul to put it in the eternal scriptures. <laughs> it's been read for the last 2,000 years, you know, that these two people have an issue. For him to write a letter to the church that's being read out live to the whole church and he's using two people's names. He's not talking about you know who and who or so and so and so and so. No, he names it by name. And this is obviously this disagreement they're having, amen, is affecting other people. If they're like anybody else, people that have odds with each other, a lot of times they will try to get people in their camp. You got this camp and you got that camp. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes they even just sit in the different places in the church because there are two different camps. That's true, you know? So obviously tensions are there. and Obviously maybe two factions starting up, as I just said, because of the disagreement of these ladies. And the issue is not resolving because I would have to think that this has been going on for a while. So Paul, he even goes as far as enlisting the help of other people in the church, maybe the elders or the, some of the people that are in charge, amen, to get these people to drop their differences. It's not, he's not just a letter, amen, but he's naming other people that are going to get involved in this because this has to be dealt with. This cannot go on any further, amen. And no, we're not going to do what the Amish do. We're not going to move you from Galatia over to Ephesus, okay? <laughs> you're going to stay there and you're going to work it out, amen. How many lives are affected by the unwillingness, amen, to solve situations and to be of one mind, which is the greater good? Have issues, amen, 
You know, obviously, it's a normal part of everyday life. It's a normal part of ministry. It's a normal part of people that gather together all the time. Normal part of people being with each other all the time. There's no excuse for it to remain unreconciled when you're saved and living for God. So draw, Paul addresses this whole issue before the whole church. He's trying to help them to see the bigger picture. And that's always the truth when it comes to relationship conflicts. It's, we got to step back and see a little bit bigger picture here than what you're seeing and what you're dealing with. It's about the unity of the church, the power that plays out from that amen. And our eyes have to be on the whole, amen, and what God is doing. He says, be of the same mind in the Lord. Or in other words, we belong to Jesus. We are about his will and his business in the earth. That's the only reason why we're gathered in one sense, right? Other, I, mean, I would say we're hearing the word of God and trying to grow in all these things. But in all, all reality, the only thing that really brings us together is our vision to reach the world. We're gathered to be a testimony in the earth. We're gathered to be a witness to those who are not saved. And so he has this in mind as he's speaking these words. We belong to Jesus and the priority of the Lord, amen, rises way higher than your petty differences because they really are petty. He's always have to consider how this affects other people in the church because I know you're, you're keeping it a big secret, but how many know there's no secret? <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no real secrets in the church by and large, amen. How is this going to affect the church? How is this going to affect my personal witness, Amen. See, we're called to lay it aside to be of one mind in the Lord. That we're not to strive against one another, but we're to strive with one another for the sake of the gospel. So let's look at this, the relationship fixes here. It says here, it says, when coming home from a long day, 72% of pet owners greet their pet before they greet their spouse or children. I'm serious here. I read that because I don't agree with that. You know, see what I'm saying? I mean, you think about it. I've had a dog. and I mean, dogs hear you coming up the street. They hear you pulling the driveway. Your wife and kids probably haven't heard that, or your husband and kids haven't heard that. The dog knows you're at the front door. The, the wife and kids don't. So who's going to greet you first, right? It's not like you greeting the dog. It's the dog greeting you. And so I don't really agree with that at all. I think it's just skewing the, the obvious amen and trying to make it out to be something that it is not amen. In other words, let's not make this worse than it is. Oh, that's the problem. Everybody goes home. They just greet their dog because they love their dog more than their kids and their spouse. That's not true. Fido just happens to be at the door before everybody else. <laughs> because there's a relation, relationships can be fixed, is what I'm trying to say. 
So where do we go from here? Amen. Because most people are very bad at confronting things. Amen. So we just carry on hoping that the other person might make the first move or maybe the other person might just come into my camp and agree with me. In this case, Paul makes the first move because things are getting out of hand. He makes the first move, amen. Not only that, but he, he's enlisted others, as I said, amen, to get the ball rolling because he knows just mentioning it probably won't do anything. That he can actually have their names writ, read out from the whole congregation, and they're going like this. Paul says, yeah, I know. I can probably even embarrass you in front of everybody, but you're going to hold on to your grudges. He says, so I'm going to get some folks to, to confront this because that's what it needs to be, doing, be, be done. To deal with this and get it done with, amen. You're dealing with pride. You're dealing with stubbornness in many cases. I mean, just a good dose of humility would get a lot of things done, amen, especially when you're dealing with relational conflicts. Amen. Somebody has to say, you know what, I think I'm making more out of this than it really is. Let's move on and let's get consumed with what God is doing. Teddy Roosevelt says success depends on people's skills, amen. He says... He says the most important single ingredient in the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. So I think Paul gives us a cure in our text. He says three things. First of all, he says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He repeats himself, which obviously he's driving a point home that this is the will of God, that we would indeed rejoice. This is where our strength lies, that I am happy in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, that takes away a lot of the little troubles that we can have. Amen. That my contentment is based in trust, amen, that you can rejoice in spite of circumstances. Spurgeon said, joy in the Lord is the cure for all discord. I like those all statements, you know. All discord. <laughs> so that's all you got to tell people is rejoice, okay? But what's on the inside does not always have to reflect on what's on the outside. We're not talking about hypocrisy, amen. We're talking about rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. That what's going on with these two is no doubt causing discouragement in the church. It's obviously affecting people, amen. And I'm glad we don't know what it is because that, that it would be a distraction to you and us. That Paul's giving a cure. He does not even say a word. He talks about this and then immediately he steps in and says, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, rejoicing is probably the antidote to self-will. That when we rejoice in the Lord, we, you know, we get our eyes off ourselves, our eyes on God, amen. I tell you what, that alone will change your perspective. I mean, how can you be mad at one another or mad with somebody and you're lifting your hands and giving God praise in all honesty? But I think you can give God praise and rejoice and something can change on the inside. And, you know, you think about it, Paul, he's in a Roman prison, chained up, when he says these words. 
See, rejoice is also a word that's mentioned 11 times in four chapters in this one little book. Rejoice. I tell you, it can help a lot of things, just rejoicing in the Lord, finding your joy in the Lord. It can make these little troubles get very small when you can praise God and be so thankful to God. Amen. Probably why we'd start our services with singing. Hopefully you're singing. Find some joy in your heart. Amen. Get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on God. I tell you, there's something about getting your eyes on God that you can, you look at your problems differently. Right? Anything's possible. That's relationship problems, by the way. Okay. Oh, God can move mountains. That's the mountain you're dealing with. You're right. He can move mountains. It probably is a mountain, but I'll tell you what. When you start rejoicing, something happens on the inside. And it's no, no wonder that Paul immediately says rejoice, and again I say rejoice. He emphasizes this. He says, secondly, he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. <laughs> wow. Remember, this is in the same paragraph. This starts out with these two ladies are having a disagreement. It's in the same paragraph. And he doesn't mention the disagreement, but immediately he mentions the cure. To rejoice and secondly, to be gentle, amen. It's an unwillingness to contend. It's a readiness to forgive where you sacrifice your rights in order to show consideration for someone else. Gentleness. Literally, the word signifies a humble, patient steadfastness, which is able to submit to injustice, disgrace, and maltreatment without hatred and malice, trusting in God in spite of it all. Gentleness. See, this is what's needed in the church. This disposition that seeks the best for everyone. Something obviously these ladies have totally omitted. That's why Paul's saying it in this paragraph. He didn't say it before, he didn't say it later on. He said it in this paragraph with these ladies in mind. Chapter 2, verses 1. Therefore, if, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. Having the same love, be of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, I used to think as I read this, that this text was just dropped in. That Paul is writing his letter, and oh yeah, 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 okay. And these ladies, it's almost like it didn't fit for a long time for me. It's like he just kind of throws in a couple sentences that says these ladies are at odds with one another, and it just kind of drops in. But you know what? As I read this more and more, and read through this letter, it almost seems like he's working up to this. From the beginning of the letter, and I know he's talking about a lot of stuff, but from the beginning of the letter, as you read through, you can find these ladies all through it, just like I read in chapter 2. This is chapter 4 these ladies are in. It's as if he's working all the way through with these ladies in mind. 
I mean, this right alone, amen, he could have said this. And then after this, verse number five, he could have said, and then by the way, these two ladies that are having an issue with one another, they would have fit right in right there. But it's as if he's writing this letter, and as he's writing, uh, in the back of his mind, he knows he's going to get to this, because he knows this letter is going to be read all out, out in the open, and everybody's going to hear it. And so he's working up to it. It's way at the end of his letter. It's in chapter four, not in chapter one, or two, or three. I think what he's saying is, you know, maintaining relationships in the church is vitally important. Before he ever gets to this one, he doesn't make this the issue, does he? He doesn't make their little skirmish an issue, amen. He lays out all the relationship issues, how we are to treat one another, love one another, uh, treat others better than yourself. He lays all this out long before he ever gets to these two ladies. Because I believe with all my heart he's dealing with relationships, amen. To be of one mind in the Lord. Maintaining relationships, very critical. I don't believe it's a side issue, amen. I believe it's a major distraction what, what God is doing and what he wants to do through this church. He writes about being of one mind throughout this book, looking out for the interests of others and so on. Because he knows he's going to bring this up. He's not scatty-brained. Paul's a very good thinker. I think he knows exactly what he's going to talk about when he's writing this letter. And I know he's being led by the Spirit. But that doesn't mean like, you know, absolute forgetfulness. Uh, what do I say next? You know, he knows exactly what's going on in this church. James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Amen. See, the word gentle is found in our text. This is the wisdom we need to use in the realm of our relationships. He makes a third statement. He simply says, the Lord is at hand. Some take this to mean that someday we're going to be accountable and we're going to stand before God for our issues that we're having. And that's true, I believe that. Knowing this helps, you know, things, to, you know, from getting out of hand. But I think there's another meaning here that the Lord is right at hand. That all in all, what's going on, God's involved in the church. It's not like he's outside of the church and he's just waiting for D-Day, you know what I'm saying? Waiting for judgment day, you know what I mean? It's, all right, get this together, but someday you're going to stand before God. Okay, that's true. I understand that. But I think it's more like he's at hand, like he's here now. You don't have to wait the judgment day. Amen. That now's the time to deal with it. God's involved now, amen. He's involved in relationships today. His presence is near, amen. His presence, if you'll yield to the will of God, amen, God will help you. He is at hand, amen. We can still be, you know, uh, uh, you know be helped in time of need, Right? Jesus knows how to settle wrongs. He knows how to get us focused on the kingdom of God. Whether that's wrong in your marriage, wrong in your home, or wrong in this place right here. Wrong is wrong. Relationships have to be right. 
Let's look lastly at the peace of God. Because he moves right on into prayer. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And after looking at this practical application of rejoicing and, and gentleness, he moves into the realm of prayer. Because worry and anxiety can still linger because of our nature and how we process things, amen. It's just the complexity of the situation. And so, you know, here you are, and who knows what the beefs are and the anxieties that are there, but, you know, anxiety comes from this discomfort. You ever had to go face somebody? And inside you're churning because it's like you know what's going to happen. You're going to have to confront somebody with something. And it's like, oh, gosh. And sometimes it can be days. You know, some people go through days of thinking about what they're going to do. They run it through their minds over and over again. So he's still writing in the context of conflict. He's probably saying it'd be a good idea to take it to prayer before you take it to them. Because here you are, and all of a sudden when you get to them, you just gush. Because inside you're just anxiety and worry. He says, you know what, you need to take that to God in prayer. Anxiety, obviously, just comes. It comes from the discomfort we feel many times, maybe from following our own will, from our own sin and folly. Sometimes when you confront people, you've got to confront them with some honesty and say, you know what, what I said and what I did was wrong. I need to apologize. Not just to confront you how this is going on, but maybe I just need to come to you and say, I'm sorry. What I said and what I did was not right. You know, because of sin, because of the discord, amen, that goes on, makes us very vulnerable to natural misunderstandings sometimes when you get down to that place where you can talk to people the misunderstanding gets understood it's not only misunderstanding it's now oh I understand now no doubt these ladies are not on the same page and that can really distract you from living for God and service to God. First Peter's 5, 7, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Our text says make your requests known, known to God. In other words, it's not enough for the Lord is looking down and seeing. He goes on to say you need to make it known to God. Prayer and supplication, you need to make it known. Amen. Prayer touches God. When turn reaches down and helps on our behalf, brings a clarity, that comes only from heaven. There's something about praying, amen. If you're open to God, there's a clarity that comes. Because God's concerned about relationships. This is why he goes beyond the discipline of just rejoicing and being gentle, amen. He goes on to say, you need to pray. I mean, it's supernatural. The church is supernatural. 
that God can take people from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of weirdnesses and who knows what, how we were raised and different things and bring us together and we're still together. It's just amazing to me. I've said it before, we'd probably never even like each other if we weren't saved. We probably wouldn't hang out together. We just wouldn't, you know. I know you feel that way now maybe, but you, you take away salvation and put sin back in the mix. It could be pretty ugly in this place. So here it is, and he says you need to pray. Because prayer is God's offering of help to you and I. God, I need you. I mean, I'm gent- you know, all these things are fine, but I, I need a miracle. See, this activates the supernatural. Verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace that literally stands guard in our minds and challenge you know, the approach of what we're doing, amen, or anything that worries your mind or troubles your mind, amen. He guards against those things that, you know, have access to our hearts and minds. Peace of God, amen. Peace is supernatural. It's not something you just, you know, pick up while you're meditating or something. It's something supernatural. God, I need your peace in my heart. I need your peace in my mind, which a lot of reasons where you got the churning of the anxiety and the worry. It's churning away. God, I need something supernatural here, not just what I can do. I'm just a real nice guy, and I can probably get this all fixed, but how many know that doesn't always work? I need something more than that. I need God's hand to intervene here and do something supernaturally. And then lastly, and actually some manuscripts put these verses in the same paragraph. He talks about verses 8 and 9, where to put your mind. What to think about, amen. Isaiah 28, 6, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And so as you read through, I realize there's a break in my Bible, but some manuscripts don't have that break. They put it right together. They go from verse 7, 8, and 9. They come out of prayer and said, yeah, and you know what? Connected with that is where you put your mind because if you think right, you'll probably do right. Paul's saying that in all this, we have to have a new sense of God's presence, his power, amen, his purpose in our lives. That's what he's writing. He said, be of one mind in the Lord. That's what we're dealing with here. The bigger picture. That, you know what, you know, maybe not everything gets fixed, but you know, it doesn't have to be a bone of contention either. Sometimes you can lay it aside. Put it down. I mean, chances are people that have odds with one another, they're never going to see each other right. But can we put it down? Can we put it aside? Because we have a greater good. That's the kingdom of God. And what God's doing in our lives. And what God's doing in our lives to other people. Our witness, our testimony to our brothers and sisters and to the people outside these four walls. Isn't that more important? Absolutely. It was important enough for Paul to write on it. If there's someone you need to get reconciled with, maybe you ought to get reconciled with them. There's relationships that need to be dealt with. And listen, it's vital to the church of God.
close with this illustration. It says, during his first day on the job, an employee asked one of his new colleagues what it was like working in this office. The employee responded with a question of his own. He said, well, what was it like at the place you came from? So the guy immediately started to spit out his disdain of his former place of employment. He said, it was a terrible job. I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy the work or the people whom I worked for. And the guy said, well, unfortunately, I'm afraid you'll find it pretty much the same here. <laughs> this has got to change. This has got to change. That's what God wants to do. That's what only God can do. He changes this. When he changes this, he changes this. That's what he's telling that employee. You, you work here long enough, you'll hate us too. <laughs> you'll hate everybody. <laughs> you need like a, a train job or something <laughs> where it's just you and you can just get mad at yourself, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it ain't going to work here until you change your heart. That's the whole issue. That's what Paul's trying to get to. That's why he doesn't talk about the differences. He doesn't take sides. He doesn't like, well, this is going this and this. Now, rejoice, be gentle, Lord's at hand. Get a hold of God. Because ultimately, this needs to change. Because this is affecting this. Amen. Keeping our relationships good. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads this morning. Praise God.